Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Post Post Podcast, where I talk to creative minds about their inspiring professional journeys. This is episode five. I'm your host, David Gidali, and my guest this week is Uzi Mo. Uzi started out as a YouTube creator, and he's currently a visual effects supervisor working and living in Los Angeles. He's perhaps best well known for a short video uh, he put on YouTube back in 2011 called Battlefield 3 Epic Real Life Battle. The video was a live action adaptation of the game Battlefield, and it featured some visual effects and sound design. And uh, it was really well made, uh, used a lot of uh, GoPro shots, slow motion effects, and uh, cool sound design elements. But most of all, if you watch this video, you'll notice it's just a fun video. And there's clearly a lot of love in this video for the game that it's honoring. And I think that's the reason why the creators of, of Battlefield ended up uh, posting links to the video on their own website and turning it into a very popular video, which... Um, encouraged Uzi and his uh, co-creator to uh, keep making more similar videos and a lot of behind-the-scenes clips, which eventually got him noticed by people in Los Angeles who invited him to come here and do visual effects and open up this new chapter in his professional life. Uzi and I met and spoke about uh, what it was like to make YouTube videos back in 2011, when uh, YouTube was a very different network than it is today. In fact, it's pretty impressive and scary a bit to think about the fact that it's only been seven years since then, but um, the internet has changed so much over those last few years. And uh, the whole kind of scenery of of original filmmaking for YouTube and YouTube channels and, and this whole thing has developed so fast and so drastically. Uh, We also talk about deciding to move to Los Angeles and um, changing kind of the course from making original YouTube content to becoming a service provider uh, for visual effects and for uh, music videos and commercials. Um, And also about um, original content and uh, the type of uh, thought process that Uzi goes through when people approach him and, uh, and offer him to make original content. And why he has he doesn't always say yes uh, to offers like that. And what are the considerations that he that he takes in mind? It was really fun recording this uh, episode. It was actually the first ever episode recorded for the Post Post podcast. But it also made a lot of sense to uh, start recording with Uzi because uh, Uzi and I have many overlapping skills. We work a lot together. And he's uh, usually my go-to guy when I need uh, someone to step in for me, whether it's uh, as a compositor or a visual effects artist or a um, visual effects supervisor. Uh, We just have a lot in common. Um, We always enjoy spending time together and talking about work and about life and about filmmaking and creating. And uh, it was just a natural conversation. I hope you guys appreciate it as well. And uh, with this, I give you episode five of the Post Post Podcast. Hey, what's up? Who's Zimo? Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. What are you munching on? Um, just a bagel, my morning bagel. With coffee. Okay. <laughs> Your morning coffee at 12, it's 12.17, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's, it's my second coffee, yeah. 
I see. Yeah. Well, I'm having my second coffee too, which is probably yeah, uh, that's that's the one of the adventures adventures of being a freelance. We'll talk about it uh, in a sec. You can yeah, have your so, coffee as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, I'm. Uh, I don't know if you know it. Uh, we're good friends, but I'm also a big fan of of your work, man. I uh, I'm excited. I feel like it's the first. You know, it's like I'm I'm pretending this is the first time we speak and. Um, <laughs> uh, I have to stop my uh, my fanboy craziness to come out, but um, I'll let you I'll let you talk talk about yourself for a bit. But I'll just say uh, our first time meeting together, if I remember correctly, was in this uh, uh, lecture we gave at uh, some festival. I think it was Utopia Festival or something. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I I want to say I knew I've seen your work online before then. Uh, but, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I have because, uh, your YouTube, uh, channel back then, uh, there is a canal was, was, uh, was very hot, I feel like, and, uh, and, uh, definitely got attention and especially people in the visual effects community, I'm sure, or gaming community were, were very much aware of your, your work. So, um, so yeah, that's how I, um. You know, but but I didn't know you personally until we we actually met in that in that lecture, which was funny because we both sort of came and gave, gave our you know show and tell you know shtick and uh, and <laughs> our introduction was very professional in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, why don't you kind of with a few words or something, you know, kind of tell us about you and your background, which led led you here. Um. So I'm a visual effects artist and a creator. I started from creating a YouTube, I had a YouTube channel called There Is A Canal. That's the one you just mentioned. We were just a few guys trying to make epic, cool videos uh, for YouTube. It really exploded for us. We never, uh, we never thought it's going to get the attention it got. And uh, it eventually led me to the U.S. and working in the actual uh, visual effects um uh, community working in Hollywood and on uh, big stuff for you for other guys for other creators and um, it's been a crazy it's been a crazy road it's been a crazy yeah. time so I'll just say at a side note when you say for me it's because we've worked together uh, through my company outpost uh, I've hired you a few times and uh, you've you've hired me also a few yes, times we are each other. Yes, yes. yeah we, 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 we're helping each other out. Yeah. Um, so there's a few things I wanted to ask, uh, but I'll start from the beginning. Uh, what happened? Like, how did there is canal like start and, and what led you there? Uh, how old were you? What, what was the, uh, uh, origins? So I, uh, started once I finished the army, I went to school at IAC, the Israeli animation college. I think that was in 2007, uh, where I met my wife, by the way. And, um, I learned there for a year and a half. I did a 3d animation and the modeling course at Lightwave, which is, I think the program, the program is not really existing anymore. Uh, and, uh, then I worked for, I worked for a year in a studio, studio gadget in Tel Aviv. It was great. I learned a lot of good stuff there. Once I finished that year, I was thinking I want to create content, not just being uh, not just being that guy who who knows that uh, that software, you know, not creating stuff for other people. I wanted to create my own stuff, so I I um, 
a year passed. I looked for myself, as you say, and then uh, I signed up for learn for uh, film school, film film school in uh, Tel Aviv in Minshar, which is a uh, just a fil- film college, a basic one. And uh, I learned there for a year and a half, and then I dropped out because it was super boring. Uh, it took me a lot of time, yeah, to realize like the the. I, I liked the first year, but then it became so, sort of uh, repetitive and it became more about um, what do you think about the film as opposed to actually learning how to make films. So I decided to drop everything and just start making my own stuff. So I bought a camera, I uh, grouped up with a, a couple of good friends and we started making uh, videos. First we made uh, uh, video reviews, like cool video reviews for uh, for video games. Um, that channel was called NoobTube. It was an Israeli um, gaming channel that reviews video games in a cool sort of uh, visual effects way. And um, we did that for a year and a half. Once we finished with that, because it's it was um, it's a whole other story, but we we figured out there's not not much real future for it. And also, we're talking about the time. I think that was 2009, 2010. No one really knew anything about YouTube in Israel at that time. YouTube was very uh, was a thing that you know you watch videos of cats in. It wasn't that big thing <laughs> right. that is today. Today you have uh, actual content that's. Um, getting produced for YouTube with real real world money. In 2010, yeah. this was unheard of. No one well, thought- Wasn't there like Meta Cafe or something like that? Like other websites with videos and no one knew which website is gonna take off. And yeah, yeah, you had Google like, videos also. Yeah. That, that, that was Google videos and then they bought YouTube, I think in 2011 and then YouTube got this real big transformation that we were in the thick of it once that happens. So, so, Every day, something changed. It was very hard creating in that space at that time. It was very hard, very crazy, but we enjoyed it a lot. So I started the Rizzo Canal in 2011 with my uh, uh, with my partner and friend, Nadav. And we made this video called uh, Battleville 3 in Real Life, which was just the two of us. He filmed me, I filmed him, and we collaborated. He is a brilliant uh, musician and uh, um, creator. Um so we just created this video together and we uploaded it to YouTube and uh, it got some real big response from the company who actually made Battlefield Dice and they put it on their wall, which has like three and a half million uh, likes on Facebook and it, it just exploded and it started everything. So after that, it was very, we got that reinsurance that we, yeah, we're making good stuff that people want to see and we, we ran with it. We made like uh, 30 more videos. Until we stopped. So, I mean, I'm very curious. I mean, there's a few questions. First is, you know, how how did they even find out about this video with all is was it was it shared? Like where did you guys put it? You just like literally uploaded to some to your channel without any other videos and it somehow somehow got found or what what was the So again uh, that time 2011, it was bad because YouTube was in its first year and this was like the Wild West in terms of uh, settings and all that stuff. But it was good because the space was new and not a lot of people were creating on that space uh, good quality content. So mm-hmm. we created good content and I think I think someone sent it to them. Like actually said, look at those guys, they make this really good video about your game. Maybe give them a shout out. 
I think it was actually a couple of people sent them. Also, my friend sent it to them. I don't know to which email they responded, but they said they were so, I think, uh, surprised by the by the um, actual video and the, the amount of work put into it. And it referenced their game so well. It was like an advertising for free, you know? So they yeah. have no, no reason to ignore it. They actually really loved it. They sent us like six copies of the game. And a couple of posters and all, and you know, and, and a couple of gifts uh, because we made it. They were very flattered. That's so really we, nice. That's yeah. like swag, right yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I guess. So it started a relationship with them in that sense that uh, every time we made a video, we had uh, like a contact to send the video to, and every time we made a video about Battlefield, they actually featured that featured the video on their wall, which was which was great. It was uh, it made us, you know. Now, I got to say, I'm first of all, you know, very, uh, I'm a big fan of of that video and all the videos on your, on your channel. And I think they're great, just great videos and great examples of, of cinema and just love for cinema and great timing and editing and, and, and I mean, even, you know, just the directing and, and the script, there's those little like gags and, and sense of humor that's like, it's really advanced. The guys did, did not, doesn't look like an amateur video at all. Um, and uh, I guess the question I have is like, where, where would you, what would you attribute uh, to those, to those videos being so good? Is it just like your love for the game or, or is it your love for film? Like, what do you, when you approached it, how did you approach it? Do you approach it as a fan or like as a, as a aspiring filmmaker that wants to create good content? So I think it's a combination of number of stuff. First of all, we were young and very eager to create something and create something good. And, um, that's one thing. The other thing is a combination of very, uh, good and professional, uh, people coming together. Now I wasn't professional in the sense of visual effects, but I was professional in the sense of knowing how to work and knowing what it takes to make something good. So I wasn't afraid of learning. I wasn't afraid of sitting on my ass and actually giving the hours that needed to get the video in the, get it to the point where I was satisfied with it. Me and Adav, we have a very, um, we, we believed in the project and we wanted it to be great. And we didn't have any time constraints on it, at least at the start. So we just sat and worked on it until it was perfect and until we didn't see anything that's, uh, that's wrong with it anymore. Now I see a lot of things that's wrong with it, but then it was perfect when we, uh, when we, uh, uploaded to YouTube, we believed in it, you know, and today it's, it's, it's sort of different when you make something that is completely your own. Um, usually you end up hating it or you end up, um, uh, putting it aside or, um, you know, all that's all this self doubt coming into you and, and you like, and it crumbles you. Right. Um, not crumbles, but, um, uh, how do you say, uh, cripples you, sorry. It cripples you, mm-hmm. it cripples you f- from, from actually creating what you set out to, to, to create. And me and Adav, we had this great chemistry when every time that I was down, he just took me and picked me up and say, you know, give me, give me like a slap and said, everything's okay. Let's just continue working. And every time he was down, I used to pick him up and saying, everything's okay. Let's just, let's just keep at it. Let's just keep doing it. And, and by the, down, do you mean, uh, down in terms of, uh, like 
having doubts or, or having uh, a feeling like what you're doing is not sufficient or what was yeah, your... So the, the thing I find in comments with all other creators, musicians, filmmakers, sculptures, everyone, you always feel like a piece of shit, you know, when you, you try to create something, you always <laughs> feel like it's, you're not good enough and you, yeah. it's not worth your time or you, you're not, it's self-doubt fills you. Always. Yes, that's what it does. And and the thing is, you have to have good people with you always to show you the way to 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 give you that push to say, you know, it looks great. Just keep at it. It needs more work. It needs more time. That's fine. It's supposed to look like that right now. And once you have those people and you really believe it's not someone who just saying those words because saying them, the words is easy, but it has to be someone that you completely trust Right. That you understand that he knows what he's talking about, that you, you're saying, I look at this guy work and I know he's, he's, he knows what he's talking about. And if he's saying those words to me, they mean something. And, and, and that gave, we gave each other the power to actually uh, do that. And also we were very young and stupid and uninformed and everything was new. And we got those views, which, which gave us a lot of uh, emotional fuel to keep going, you know, the, the, the actual game that we were playing and were obsessed about battlefield at the time, battlefield three, the actual developers noticed us, you know, and gave us like a thumbs up and gave us, wow, guys, good job. We made this awesome game and you made this awesome video homage to it that we like so much that we're going to feature on our website, on our uh, uh, Facebook, Facebook page. And, and they wrote this very uh, humbling, uh, uh, sentence, uh, look at these great guys from Israel making it work, something like that. We, we were so humbled by them, it gave us so much uh, energy to, to, to keep doing it, you know, and we got some subscribers. We, we had like, uh, we came from zero to a million views in a week and from zero subscribers to, uh, I, I don't think like five or 6,000 in a week. Wow. So we were no, we knew we were going on the right path, at least at that time. So we were excited. It was a very exciting time. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. I'm sure like a lot of people would dream to have this experience. It's kind of like the Cinderella story. And especially the fact that I think, you know, what it led to ultimately, you know, to you being invited to to work on big visual effects stuff in L.A. I mean, that's uh, that's quite a that's quite a story right there, I think. Yeah. Um, so so you want me to tell that story? Um, in a bit, <laughs> actually, before I do, I mean, I, I want to kind of go back to, to a little bit the, um, I mean, it's definitely coming that story. I mean, I'm, I, I definitely want you to start talking about it soon, but, um, I still wanted to touch about, you know, your, so when you did, there is a canal, the first video that was after you've already learned, uh, 3d animation in, uh, AIC, right. Um, yeah. and, uh, IAC, sorry. And, uh, and after you, you, dropped out of, uh, of, uh, Minchar. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The film school. So it sounds, it sounds like though, I mean, you've kind of made that decision to get into this field a while before that, like right after the army, I, I guess, or, um, so, so I didn't know anything about, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I finished the army. I was a, a rifle and sniper instructor. I was thinking about doing like a, maybe a, a career in a, in a, 
in the Shabak or in the Mossad or something, you know, teaching people how to shoot. That was something that briefly um, went across my mind. My my uncle was something there, so he spoke to me about it and he asked if I wanted to uh, meet some people and maybe maybe do that stuff. And I would say, and I was thought about the army. I saw. I was like, no, I don't want to do it. You know, <laughs> I don't. I just don't want to do it. So I have no idea what I was going to do. And um, I remember at that time, throughout my whole uh, army service, I played World of Warcraft. So every time I came home from the army, I was like, uh, once every two weeks or once every week towards the end, I played World of Warcraft throughout the whole weekend. I didn't go to parties. I didn't do anything. I just played World of Warcraft. And I enjoyed <laughs> that game so much. We played with, with my friends, obviously. So I enjoyed that game so much. And I remember sitting with my brother and they, they had this new uh, cinematic trailer you know, where Blizzard does those great cinematic trailers. For oh, yeah. So I saw, I, saw that, I saw that trailer, and my brother, um, my big brother is six years older than me. He messed with 3D animation, 3D Studio Max, in his youth when it was very, very, very raw. And he said, wow, wouldn't it be great if you knew how to make something like that? And I always had, like, this artistic... Uh, artistic, uh, like let's say in my high school, I was in arts department, you know, oh, okay. I, like, uh, that's what my, uh, my, um, um, my field, my field. Right. Was art. Yeah. So he said, wouldn't it be great to learn 3d and know how to make these kinds of trailers? And I was like, yeah, you know, but it's Israel and you can't really make those stuff here. No one makes it in Israel. And he said, wait, just hold off a second. And he did a quick Google search and he find IAC and we went to this open day when they show off the college and they talk about their programs. And I immediately said, okay, this is where I need to be. So I have to give credit here for my brother for actually pushing me in that direction. And once I was at IAC, uh, the, everything clicked because I was, I'm very dyslexic. I, I don't read good and I'm not writing so good. I don't write so good. So I have always problem with learning stuff. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do so well in school and, and I knew, um, I knew if I had to do SATs and all that uh, stuff to get into a good college to learn, let's say, uh, a law degree or, or a business degree, I knew I would have a really hard time of learning it. So my arts was always, so learning something artistic was always something uh, uh, in the back of my mind, let's say. So uh, I went to school at ISC and everything clicked. I immediately was, was good at it without even knowing how, like they gave us those really, really, really simple um, things to do at the start. And I just... I fell into it. I, I was I wasn't going to sleep. I, I did that, you know. I just yeah. gave that so many hours of, of investing in 3D, and it was like sculpting in in 3D. You know, that's what it is, and uh, and it was it just clicked for me. So and you didn't have any problems, like you know, the fact that you were dyslexic didn't uh, wasn't any in any way slowing you down or anything like that with the so, 3D so, so that's the thing. Yeah, I did, but I have very good friends who I can call and who can help me because we. People I still talk with today, you know, they say you go to the army, you meet friends that are going to are going with you throughout your whole life. life. Yeah, yeah. So this is the same way for me, but with three D animation school. <laughs> I have <laughs> friends I still talk with, and and we're still very good friends. I actually talked with one of them this morning. He called me and he said he had a crazy dream about me. With we were in the zombie apocalypse or something, and I met him in school. You know, I also meet my wife at school at the IC. So. Right. And I also, when I go to nice. back to Israel, every time I get a, a small lecture and I meet everyone. So I, I go to see everyone because I miss them. So we, we had like this a special unit of 3D animation learning class that we we helped each other 
every time I got stuck on something because I I didn't read it it well or, or it was too complicated for me, a friend jumped in and helped me figure out how I, how I can do it my way. I think so, that's the best way to learn. I mean, and, and definitely, I mean, I remember studying, uh, studying, uh, 3d by myself, kind of teaching myself and how, you know, lonely it was and slow and agonizing. And like, you keep bumping into walls, but as soon as I started, you know, working and surrounding myself with people that have the same interests, it's like, it just, everything opened up and, and you push each other, pull each other forward. And every day I would learn like five new things that would otherwise have taken me like a week to, to yeah. find out by myself. Um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's so funny that you say that you had this opportunity to, to join the Shabak and Mossad, which are the Israeli like, uh, special units of intelligence or, you know, or weapons training, for instance. And, uh, and you said no, but then you won't, you go home and play World of Warcraft <laughs> yeah. and Battlefield. It's like, yeah. yeah. Talking about, uh, weird transitions in life right yeah um, so it sounds like you attribute your kind of love for the film in, in a way and and visual effects to your brother but also to blizzard and uh and those cinematics and I, and I think that's also something that we have in common and i'm sure a lot of 3d artists and and uh kind of young filmmakers do it's the inspiration that they draw from from the titles and games they play uh that we play you know as as kids yeah, Blizzard, I think, is the holy grail for every 3D artist. Like, you can't love 3D without appreciating what Blizzard does, at least at the start. You know, we're talking about the time when everything was a bit more raw than today. Today, you got those big features. Everything came, like the industry came into into this really great place when everything right now is super uh, realistic and photorealism is something that a client can just say, I want it photorealistic. And you can say, okay, you know, from the comfort of your own home, you can create something like that. Yeah. Back in the day, it used to be, you know, it used to be the holy grail. Today, a lot of people can do it. But back then, Blizzard were, were one of the only ones who can actually make uh, who, who actually took the time of making visual effects and 3D for gaming that look hyper-realistic and, and tell a very good story. Today, it's kind of a, it's kind of the, the, the benchmark for the industry. If you're not doing that, you're not in the industry, really. Exactly. Well, I remember in 2006, I actually met with some people from the Blizzard cinematic team, uh, Jeff Chamberlain, who's now directing some of the, some of the cinematics there. And, um, you know, I think they mentioned doing something like six minutes per year, or something crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy work. And and then I think there were like a small group of you know artists. Now I think they're like you know they just expanded exponentially and they they do those things you know a lot faster and a lot more. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I remember those days where everything that came every time there was a new like Blizzard cinematic, you know, all eyes were on the screen. It was like, okay, let's see what what crazy stuff we're gonna see now coming from them. Uh, everything was exciting back then, you know, the uh, hair simulation, cloth simulation. I remember even like noticing art, you know, uh, um, uh, what's called the uh, AO ambient occlusion effects yeah. and stuff like that. Though I remember them like being. Like, oh my God, they must have had these like huge, you know, render farms that, you know, to get this, this cool effect. And, um, they really pushed the envelope really, really, really brought this industry to a whole new level. Yeah. Blizzard was at the top for a long, long, long times in terms of cinematics and bringing that, uh, cinematic vision and actually storytelling in this beautiful, beautiful way in their world. Like at the start, I don't know if you remember what 
when uh, video games companies made uh, video games uh, cinematics, they always try to not uh, let you see the battles because animation-wise it was so heavy and simulation-wise it was so heavy and expensive to create. So it always like uh, almost show you the fight or show you just like very fast cutscenes. And Blizzard were the first company who actually put like an orc and a knight in front of each other and let them fight. You yeah. know, they have to work, I don't know, a year for that fight maybe. And no company had the balls to put that money in to make that just that one scene. And Blizzard did that. And and I remember seeing that and saying, wow, this is crazy. This is the future. This is where everything going. Like in 10 years, cinematic is going to look great. You know, Blizzard's got, I didn't know it's, it's we, we would have the Avengers, but, you know, yeah. I just saw Infinity War. This, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. The the pace, everything is developing and, and the, the place we are right now with it. It's interesting to me that you, it seems like you're excited about the technical aspects of it, you know, and saying how it's crazy and how technology is evolving at such a crazy pace. But, but in order to make a film like, you know, even that first uh, Battlefield in real life video you guys did, uh, you've, you must have been inspired not just by the technical aspects, but also by the storytelling aspect. And like you, you, in order to make that film, I'm sure you've, You've uh, you really dug deep into uh, understanding cinema, cinematography, editing, sound design, um, and all those things. And and you know you even mentioned that the first video was just you and Adav like shooting each other essentially, like filming each other. You didn't have any crew or any help from other people. No, any nothing, nothing. I just shot him, his shots. Uh, he shot me on my shots, and when we were together in the same shot it was usually a gorpo on my head and then a gorpo gopro on his head so we can get uh, the first person view looking at the other guy it was just the two of us on set not, no one else so that's set. Not, not really a set it was just like abandoned abandoned place that we can shoot at okay and that video looks phenomenal you guys added visual effects to it you've added sound effects uh you've yeah. added very tightly uh you know there's no way uh of you know knowing that it was just two people like it looks like a, a legit crew and a legit production and um you know i think that takes a lot of guts to just decide that we're gonna do this and you know without any help just go out and do it in a, in a way it also makes it a bit simpler that you're not dependent on other people and don't have to coordinate, you know, a huge production, uh, and everything. But I, but I think that's very inspiring. I feel like a lot of uh, young filmmakers are, uh, you know, are, are somehow held back by the notion that they need a crew to do something and they're probably, you know, wasting time sitting around instead of just finding a way to do it in a, in a simple kind of immediate fashion, which you guys obviously did and you've did you did a while ago i mean if it was 2011 right that's yeah. seven years ago yeah. um so maybe it's a good time to like go ahead and go on and and tell what what happened afterwards like what 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 did this whole you know thing lead to yeah so we did the there is a canal uh, youtube channel for almost four years i think and we we created like uh, almost 30 videos i think 28 videos and and like 40 behind the scenes videos and we made a couple of uh of cool commercials and a couple of jobs and and the the main problem with it at that time was uh we didn't we didn't brought in a lot of money from it so we we had subscribers and we had some good views but there's no way of making uh 
making dough, as they say. So we kind of, uh, everyone uh, got back to the real lives and, and their jobs. And we had that uh, quote unquote fame, but um, we didn't know really what to do with it. And then, uh, as luck have it, uh, some we, we went to the US to like a VidCon, which is a really big uh, conventions for uh, online creators, YouTube creators. Everyone's going there. It's once a year in Anaheim. It's super big. It was like a dream of ours to go there. And also at the same trip, we went to E3, which is the big, the biggest video convention on earth. Video and, uh, game convention. Yeah, video game convention. So we went to the, to the video creating convention, VidCon in Anaheim. And video game convention, E3 in uh, downtown LA. Yeah. So this was two dream coming through in the same uh, the same trip, and when we went to VidCon, we met with uh, this uh, really big uh, YouTube creative production company called uh, Creative, I think Creative Studios, and uh, and we met with some guy there, and we talked, and we went back to Israel. Everything was great. Three months later, we get a call. That guy that we met said at dinner with a black eye piece somehow, and he sh- and he showed Will I Am uh, our videos. They got into it somehow. I don't know how. And Will I Am fell in love with the content. He said, "Wow, those guys, those guys are really great. I, I think I have a project for them." So we got a call from Los Angeles saying Will I Am wants to talk with us. It was like a dream, you know. When you live in Israel, you you only hear and see those big artists on TV and on on the internet. You not really have any interactions with them. Never. It's not like living in LA and you see them at the coffee place and you see them driving La Brea or in Beverly Hills. You don't see those guys. They're like legends. Well, it's like uh, you get this call and you're like, is is Will I Am even a real person? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's, and how does he know me? And how does he know my name? Yeah. And, one, and why does Will I Am wants to talk? with me when he lives in Hollywood and all the guys that I'm following and that I look up to lives near near him you know so why why is he calling me but it, as it turns out William is in love with Israel and he loves working with Israelis and he has a startup in Israel he developed his smart watch here so he's a great guy and, and he loves Israel and working with Israelis guys so he wanted to meet with us we did, we did a quick Skype and it, it, we talked about this project and uh, he said would you guys um, be able to come out here and, and film this with us. And we said, and we said, yeah, sure. We can do that. I went, I remember I went to the bathroom six times that day. Like, uh, <laughs> it was so, so, um, exhilarating and stressing at the same time because I, I, you know, it's going from being four or five, six guys on set where all your friends and, and doing whatever you want, no budget, no, no strings attached, nothing, just being completely free in your, in your creation and going to like this big Hollywood set when, you know, you have this uh, hundred guys, everyone has, has a purpose, everyone's getting money. The day is, is super stressful. You have to get your shots. And I don't know the camera's name. I don't know how to say anything I want to, I want to say to the, to the photographer. I have to figure everything out as I, as I go, as I go and, and actually do it. So we came to the set, we did the video. It was a very good success visual effects wise. The video never came out because it was uh, it was about Will's smartwatch and it crashed. So the video never came out. It doesn't it doesn't it didn't make any sense for him to to put the video out because it was essentially this big commercial for the product that not is it's not existing anymore. So I also for the video, but it was very very um, it was very happy with the job we did. 
So a Wait, year afterwards, when you yeah. say when you say you guys went and shot the video, you uh, what was your role? Were you directing? Oh, so it yeah, or? yeah, no, 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 no. I wasn't directing it. No, uh, I was. Uh, I, we did the visual effects supervision on set, and then later we get we we took the hard drive to Israel uh, with the offline and did the visual effects for the actual video. I so see. So, so he liked your videos. He, he found you through the videos that you've created yourself in Israel in this super low budget, super, you know, garage band type uh, production. And then he was like, well, these guys are clearly talented. I'll, I'll let them be visual effects supervisors for me. Yeah, correct. He thought we, we can come up with some really great ideas and, and help him fulfill his vision because the video was called Awesome. The, the song was called Awesome and it's the, it was about his watch. That w- which was awesome, I, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> that so, makes sense. No, yeah, it, it never came out. That's what I'm saying. So, so he, he wanted like a fresh, young uh, mind that can uh, probably um, communicate with younger people, you know? Yeah. He didn't want this big Hollywood production that uh, is out of his element and then they don't know what they're talking about. He wants someone fresh. So he said, he actually said that you guys are fresh. That's what I he see. said. So he saw something in us. And, you know, it's so funny. I was in Will I Am shoot uh, last week, last Friday, and I saw Will. And he was like, yo, Uzi, what's up? And I was like, yo, Will, what's going on? I, I saw him, uh, I think, seven or eight times since that time. Gotcha. And he remembers me. And uh, every time he hugs me and he says, how are you? And and he's so excited about the fact that because of him, I, I now live in the U.S. I told him, Will, you know, he jump-started my career. I'm the, you're the only reason I'm here. And he's like, nah, nah, listen, I worked with a lot of people. No one lives his life and can't live in LA. And I was like, yeah, well, but if you wouldn't give me that opportunity, I would never be here. And he, he, he appreciates it. He appreciates me saying that. And oh, that's really nice of him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's very, does he, does he's he still, is he asking you if you're still fresh or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously I still work with him. So he, he, he thinks I'm a good guy. He thinks I'm the right guy for the job, but, um, does he still no, call by stall Does he still call for you, uh, by name? To, to work for him or are you just kind of in, in the same crew in the same group of people that, uh, that he likes to work with? So, yeah, so he actually calls me on my phone. So sometimes I see Will I am on my, on my dial. He calls me sometimes and asks questions and want to, and want to know, you know, how much it's going to cost and if we can put it off wow. and, uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. So he's pretty involved with his own uh, productions, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it varies. It varies. If if we have a, I also would work with Ben Moore. He's a brilliant director. So when Ben is hands on, Will knows that I'm working with Ben. So he probably won't talk to me. Um, it's not like he's talking to me all the time. Yeah, I don't want to sound like he's the we we're on a we're buddies or something. But he calls me. He call, called me a couple of times to ask questions, and he knows I'm I'm super grateful for him. So he. He is not a, I don't want to say afraid because of, of course he's not afraid, but he's, he, he counts on me to give him his, my honest opinion of, uh, how I can break down the project and how I can help him. And what's it, what's the really, you know, no bullshit. Yeah. Just tell it, just call it how it is. That's why, that's why I asked before. Right. And I'll, I'll interject and I'll say, you know, uh, you've also done since then, you've also done music videos for Coldplay and Beyonce and, uh, and a bunch of other, uh, big, yeah names right yeah and uh and usually as a supervisor i mean you do some of the visual effects yourself still right 
yeah, but, of course. Uh, but you're always uh, in a way on set on, on a supervisorial fashion and you work very closely to the director. Uh, and I, I would say, how much of it would you contribute to the fact that you started the way you did in terms of as, a, as an independent uh, filmmaker? So I think life works in a funny way. I never wanted to be that visual effects guy. I learned visual effects just because I wanted to make cool videos and they needed visual effects and I didn't know anyone who can do that. So I learned it myself. Uh, so I learned everything I needed to learn in order to make those films. I didn't know how to uh, shoot with a camera. So I got a camera and learned how to shoot with a camera. I didn't know how to edit. So I opened an edit software and learned how to edit. You have to remember, I only learned uh, 3D software. I didn't do, I didn't know After Effects. I didn't know Premiere. I didn't know uh, camera work. When you go to film school, at least the first year, you almost don't touch anything. You're like you're just learning the the basics of it. Yeah. So I learned everything I had to learn in order to become a filmmaker. And at the end, I became not the end because this is not the end. Obviously, I'm still going and working working on walking on the on the yellow brick road. But right now, I'm this visual effects guy. I'm not really a creator anymore. Uh, I want to create. I create visual effects, obviously, but I'm not. I don't create my own stuff anymore, which saddens me, to tell the truth. But uh, But you've done a short film uh, last year, didn't you? Which, uh, I mean, at least you kind of went, went yeah, down. I went, I went and shot it. Yeah, I went and shot it. It didn't come up so good. Uh, once again, because the crew wasn't organic enough. If you don't have an organic crew, you have to compensate with money. That's the thing. If you have money, you're okay because you get those guys, those really good guys that can save you on set. Uh with whatever, um, problem you may encounter. But if you have an organic group and you guys really good together, like we had in the Riza Canal, you don't need the money because you compensate in personalities and in, uh, vision and in, um, you know, just, just doing what needs to be done. And most people will not do it for you. So I get, I got to a point in my film when we didn't actually, uh, manage to capture what we set out to capture the, the, the actual shoot looks great, but the story does not work. And when the story is not working, I can, I can make this, this short come out, but I, it's not what I wanted it to be. So I'm just like, I need to do it again. So what are, the, what are the main takeaways that you have from, from a production like this? I mean, I'm, I'm, you had good productions and uh, obviously like every person, I'm sure uh, me including, included, of course, you know, you've had uh, some less successful productions that you just come out with a lot of uh, good lessons from and uh, things you take away for the next time. Um, yeah. So I say I never fail. I only learn. And this is very, this is a very good mantra for this, uh, for this video as well. I had, I think I have like six or seven shoots where I, uh, when I would shoot something and never, it never came out because, you know, it's, it's every time you go out and shoot, it's rolling the dice. Even if you have money, you, you can, you can end up not capturing the stuff you, you set out to capture. And, and that happens sometimes. I don't take it too hard. I'm not being too hard on myself. That's fine. I, um, I have right now a 70% uh, success rate, meaning uh, if I go and shoot 10 videos, seven of them is, are going to come out. So, um, and I'm really, and I'm also very careful with my time and my, and my, uh, ideas because I don't want to, I don't want to waste them, you know, but now I'm at a point in my life also because I'm, uh, 
I'm not 25 anymore, you know, I'm, uh, I'm almost 34 and I'm trying to think about, uh, what I actually want to do with my career and my life. It's almost time to retire. Yeah. Almost time to, in the visual effects. <laughs> yeah. It's almost time to retire. Right. So, so I, I really don't know to tell you the truth. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know where, where this crazy trip will take me, but I'm, I'm happy with the stuff that I do. I'm working right now on a new, uh, black eyed peas video working on a Sony commercial. I'm doing really great stuff. I think last year, me and you, we did really great stuff. I'm very proud of my work. Um, even, yeah. even though it's just, I, I never set out to be this visual effects guy, but you know, life takes you some places and I'm very, very grateful. I'm lucky and lucky of the, of where I am today and where I landed. So I appreciate it and I never take it for granted. Never, never, never take it for granted. And I keep my, uh, my dreams, uh, right now in check. Because uh, living uh, abroad with your wife is not uh, living at your uh, parents' basement in Israel. You know, you have to you have to make some compromises. But I think all in all, I'm I'm in a really great spot professionally and uh, and with my uh, personal life. Have so, you ever uh, thought of? Uh, are you ever thinking of going back to Israel? No, no, no. I'm not thinking about that. That's uh, something I hear a lot of Israelis say. <laughs> You're thinking about going back to Israel? No, not thinking. Oh, no, because, you know, you make your life and it's, you don't want to rattle the boat too much. And I'm, I'm also, I'm very happy. You know, I'm, I'm super happy. I'm happy with my, with my wife here. We're making, I'm seeing the world, you know, I'm seeing the U.S. I'm, uh, I love L.A. I love the food. I love the people. I love, I love everything. I just hate the traffic. And, uh, <laughs> and this really, is a great I, I love the traffic. What's not to love about the traffic? Yeah, in LA? Listen, the traffic in Israel, you know, we talked about it. The traffic yeah. in Israel, it's, it's like a war. Here is just traffic. You just right. have to stand in traffic and then wait until it's over. In Israel, it's just like war. So no, I'm, I'm not looking forward. I don't want to go back to Israel. Here it's like uh, therapy compared to Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. You can listen to some podcasts if you want. Um, yeah, yeah I, I guess, uh, you know, something that, that I feel like is very, is emanating from what you say, uh, is, is that your attitude towards life and towards this, this line of work in general, uh, is, uh, is very much like, uh, you know, you're, you're on a journey and, and you're an explorer and you, uh, every step of the way, uh, what drew, what drove you forward and brought you where you are is curiosity and passion and, and, uh, like, uh, a desire to, to create, you know, and to, and to challenge yourself and to learn new things in the way, uh, which I, I find, uh, very inspiring. Um, you know, that's something I aspire to do myself as well. Um, I try and find my, um, my peaceful place. And I'm, once again, I'm really, I'm super grateful. Every time I break down in my mind today, I do it less, but I used to do it a lot when I moved here. I had a lot of time to think, you know, you're, you're a bit lonely at the start. So every time I break down my life and my career, it's like, for me, it's like I won the lottery. You know, I'm, I'm super happy. Um, if, if I would have told my younger self, this is where I end up, not that it's over, but right now, this is how I look, you know, in terms of, of, um, of career accomplishments and, 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 uh, and my life and what I do and the, the sorts of projects I'm, I'm involved in. I, I feel like I won the lottery. Really, there's no other way of saying that. I'm not looking. I'm not. I don't have any illusions of grandeur in, in terms of. I know everything is work. 
when you work at ILM or a digital domain or at Apple or at uh, or in a will I am video, everything's work. You, you always, um, you just want to be a part of something big and something that matters. And I think, and I think, uh, most of the time I am, and I know that all the other people that work in, in the, on those great projects has, you know, everyone showing only what they want to show. This yeah. is also important to know if you're like a, a young artist who, who follows some people, follow some artists that he, he really loves, always know people show only what they want you to, to see. And remember that most of the work is not glamorous and it's not, uh, it's not like, uh, making an Iron Man suit, you know? Yeah. A lot of times it's just deleting boom mics and, uh, and making shadows disappears and all that stuff, which is fine. Also, sometimes I work, I find myself working, you know, I'm listening to music and I'm, I'm just, I can't believe this is my job. This is like, this is fun. You know, we, we, we're doing fun stuff. Yeah. Even, the day, even, removing, fun stuff. even removing boom mics and, and doing those like invisible effects. Is there something very satisfying about Dude, I love it? Nobody's going to know it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Let me ask you a question, uh, an interesting question that I just kind of uh, thought of as you were talking. Um, do you think there's a, a chance that because you're so, uh, you know, uh, multi-talented and, and you're both a filmmaker and a visual effects supervisor in some way, um, being known as the visual effects guy, uh, kind of was in a way a distraction from being a storyteller. For sure. Yeah. I have to, I had to make a decision, you know? Um, and when I moved to the U S my decision was to, uh, actually make it and not fall apart uh, in, in terms of, of money. So I had to do what I had to do to, to make money and stay on top of my, um, on top of my game in terms of, uh, paying the rent, <laughs> you know? So it's in Israel, the, 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 the most, the greatest thing we had was that freedom to do whatever we wanted, because when I did the Riza Canal, I was living with my parents. So I had nothing to, I didn't, I didn't have to show anything in terms of, uh, of money on my, on my work. It was just do great work, make whatever you want to make, be, be, uh, be as free as you can when you make it, you know, and, and that's great. I'm, I had years of that. I'm super happy. I did that. And it brought me to the, to, to where I am today. But when you go out to the real world and you want to make money from your craft, from what you know how to do, you have to choose, you have to, uh, become professional in, in, in one of the, in one of the field, professional director, professional editor, professional super uh, visual effects guy, professional boom mic guy. I don't know. You have to become professional so people will hire you and give you good money for the job you do. And what I uh, what was chosen for me, I didn't choose it. What was chosen for me was visual effects, and I'm very happy that uh, visual effects uh, was chosen for me. Not because this is what I wanted to become. I wanted to be a director. But everyone wants to be directors when they go to film school. You know, no one wants to be the, the AD. Everyone wants to be directors. So I feel like that with the visual effects, sometimes we're, we're, I have clients that really, uh, really count on me and really give me my uh, uh, artistic, my artistic vision in terms of visual effects and telling the story inside the effects. And I'm very grateful to, for that. And I love the work. So, so that's great. The only thing I'm, I'm not regretting because there's, there's not an ounce of regret in me really 
The only thing I wanted to do more maybe is tell my story, not even as a director, just as a content creator, because I used to create content. I really, I didn't call myself a director until I moved to LA because here everyone, you know, they, you have to have something that you do and, and what do you do? Okay. I'm a director. I filmed da, 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 da. So in Israel, I was just creating content. I did everything. I edited, I did the visual effects. We worked on the sound. Um, I acted in my, in my own shorts. So we were just content creators right. and that was great. And I don't, create content that much anymore but that's also fine because i created so much content for so many years i think in all in all it's seven years uh just shy of 100 videos if you count my uh my gaming videos and all that stuff so i really got like my, my belly is full of creating in that sense but sometimes i go online and i see like a short film of someone or like a cool music video or like this cool uh, uh, cinematic trailer for a game. And I get this pinch when I, when I say to myself, oh shit, I can do that stuff. What am I doing with myself? You know, that self doubt <laughs> creeps in. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, well, but I, I think it happens to everyone at all levels. I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, and, and it's a good feeling because that feeling gets you up your ass and, and, uh, and, and pushes you towards, towards being creative again. Yeah. I wonder though, if you, you know, you mentioned, um, that, you know, uh, you gotta be professional at one thing. And I, you know, you could also probably use the term specializing, you know, and as opposed to being a generalist yeah. and like being kind of a, uh, you know, master of none type, uh, person, you know? Um, but, uh, I think the, there's also a question of whether you think people here in LA specifically, but in general, you know, uh, when they see that you're, you're great at visual effects, uh, and they want to hire you to do visual effects. And at the same time, they hire someone who, you know, doesn't have your visual effects skills, but like they hire them as a director instead of, you know, uh, offering you both, both roles essentially. Yeah. Um, is that something that you think could be somehow, changed or you know is, is there a, a sense in because i know i do always think that or hope that you know work as a visual effects supervisor will ultimately lead to work as a director on some of those things i mean it, it has for me if you know at least once or twice but um do you think that's a hard shift for people to make and why um i think when you're on set you should think about your job and not try and take the director job. And, and I always think about, oh shit, this director, I can do this, what he's doing right now, I can do much better, much faster and get better results. And they actually be cheaper for the production. But but I think you um, you have to respect the, the, the process. And if you want to direct stuff, that's what I always tell everyone, you have to create your own stuff. You want to be a film director, you want to be a, a you want to be a, a, a commercial director, so direct. You know, do your own stuff. This, this is how stuff happens, and then show your clients this new stuff that you did, and maybe they'll think about you next time as a as a director. But I'm not so, you know, like the director we all inspire to be. We when you think about directors, I think there's like I, I don't want to. Let's say there's 50 directors in the world. I would rather change place in with. The other uh, 7 million directors, I wouldn't change places with. You, you get what I'm saying? It's like, the directors yes. is, especially, when, you, when you go in the commercial, yeah, especially. 
No, you're right. I mean, especially from your vantage point and you see directors work and you see what kind of things uh, directors sometimes have to, to do in order to stay, stay afloat and make money. Yeah. 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 It's hard. It's hard being a director. It's hard being a, being, you know, the, the center of attention at the shoot, especially if you're doing something that you're not passionate about, let's say a, a, a milk commercial, you know, I don't know, like that, that's, that's 90% of the work. No one makes district nine, you know, five people, no one makes avatar. That's, that's, that's crazy project. Yes. The Avengers, you can ultimately get to that uh, level, but it's like, it's, it's like, uh, uh, being a musician and want to be Bon Jovi, you know, want to be, uh, the Beatles, you, you, you almost you almost all the time end up being like uh working at the studio or doing something or recording guitar for some other musician and that's fine as long as you're surrounded but by musician and and you're in the studio and you're working in something you love i think that's a very good i I won't even say compromise because it's not a compromise there's a very hard uh, a very big price for being quentin tarantino he pays the price for being so brilliant. You know what I'm saying? What do you mean by that? It's interesting. I mean, I mean, Quentin Tarantino has to, uh, has to be Quentin Tarantino all the time. He has to blow your mind every single time. And when he's not blowing your mind, you're like, he he hasn't got it anymore. You know, he's not good as he used to be. Let's say, uh, uh, this is the talk right now about, um, uh, Steven Spielberg. I'm I'm giving big names because everyone would know those names, but you can you can't be brilliant for throughout your whole life. You have a a, a chapter of your life when um, artist uh, artistic vision just flows out of you, and you make this great stuff. And very little people can be uh, relevant for thirty years. Let's say like uh, Jay Z, which is relevant for twenty five years. I don't know what, but there are fifty more rappers who's great and big at the 90s where no one remembers their name you know right and i think so, you you kind of talked about two very uh very uh drastic opposites of like you know the directors that uh make a make their career doing you know dishwashing commercials or whatever yeah. uh and then you have steven spielberg which i think is uh, one of the lucky directors that never had to direct a uh you know uh windshield yeah. wiper commercial yeah. Yeah. um but i think uh I think my takeaway from it was like, no one's going to take a risk on you as a director unless you take a risk on yourself. Correct. Uh, so if you're just, uh, you know, my, my understanding is like, you know, if, if you just sit around and hope to be hired based on your visual effects skills as a director, you might, but it's going to be a sort of a, a lukewarm uh, risk that someone's going to take by make, by telling you, okay, can you direct this, uh, you know, little, uh, I don't know, uh, um, product video for, uh, for some uh, new electronic device that comes out. That's, uh, not really gonna lo- jumpstart or launch your, you know, crazy, you know, a tour filmmaker career. Um, but if you come out and you decide to take a risk yourself and you make a film, the film you want to make, um, whatever that may be, if, if it really, does have some value, some artistic, you know, uh, freshness and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, innovation, it'll, it'll probably attract more quality projects in your, you know, yeah. to your way. Then also I, I get approached about directing, uh, not all the time, but I get approached about directing every, 
at least once once or twice a month people have the, like uh, this artist he has a great music video he knows my stuff he knows my work come direct it you know directing takes so much more out of you because you have to have the vision for it and I'm not at a place right now I think uh, professionally as a director which I can just switch my director uh, switch on and come up with this great idea for that song that guy has that would make this really great video. You know, when I direct, I have to be very passionate about what I'm doing, at least from my, my knowledge of myself, in order to bring something good. Every time I get into directing, just because I wanted to be the director on the project, it never comes out the way, I, I feel like my, 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 my talent and my, my, uh, my skills don't shine, you know? And as a visual effects guy, I can switch that line, that light every time. I can switch that light off, tell that guy how it look, it's going to look great, how we should do it, how I'm going to work on it, and, and I get great results. But as an actual director, creator, I want to work on stuff that I'm passionate about, and I know no one's going to hand them to me. Yeah, I, I realize that, but I know that when the uh, right project comes along, and it can never come along. Also, I'm not, I don't have uh, illusions of anything, but when it comes along and I have this great idea for it, I can definitely sell it because I have so much experience right now and so much uh, good stuff that I did that I can really uh, sell it. And also you have to have good relationship with the, the guy who brings the project, like the, the producer that he needs to believe in you. He needs to take a chance on you, but you have to show that it's going to be uh, profitable for him to take a chance on you. You have to, you have to be really passionate about it and come up with a really great idea. So I had to say, uh, just this year, like four times no to people who wanted me to direct their uh, music video or their uh, Kickstarter commercial. You know, I say, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it for three days. I'm talking it over with my wife and with my friends. And I'm like, no dude, I'm not, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Like, I, I don't care about this. You know, I'm not, I'm not that super, uh, I'm not like a, a super duper director you know, who's super professional and, and can switch that light off. No, I uh, on. I, uh, I just it doesn't click for me. And when it's do- and when it doesn't click for me, I just I leave, I leave it alone. That's very. Because I, I don't want to disappoint. Yeah, that's uh, that's you got quite balls to do that. Because I mean, I think a lot of people would just say, uh, you know, even if they don't feel that it's the right place they, they will say oh you know i i maybe i'll give it a shot and if i blow it i blow it but like it, it takes uh it takes quite a bit of uh i think uh confidence to trust your your judgment in such a way uh where you kind of know from the get-go that this is something you you will probably uh you know are not the right person for and like to let you know let those people go so it's not balls it's just experience i know about myself i felt that you know, when people come to you and, and they see your stuff and they want to hire you, they come for your knowledge and for your professionalism. And when people pay me money, I take it very seriously. And if I can deliver, I will not take their money, go out and shoot something, waste everyone's time, and then end up uh, scrapping it. And it happened to me two times uh, on, on jobs when I just didn't know myself on the job, you know, because I didn't care about the story or the product. I just didn't care about it. And it, it, directing, especially at the start, it's not very good money. You know, you have to sacrifice so much. So you're saying climb that ladder, yeah, be a director, do this, and then you can do this. But it's not; it doesn't work like that. If you try, if you start directing uh, 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 Kickstarter commercials, you become a Kickstarter director. You know, direct what you want to direct. 
Yeah. Otherwise, work on stuff that you know you can be professional and add your your value to the project, which is, which is visual effects for me. As a director, I have to do something I believe in. And I'm super in peace with that. I have no problem with that. I'm good. It took me a lot of time to, 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 to actually... Um, you know, be, be calm with it with myself, be, be, listen to myself, you know? Yeah. And I still have people calling me, listen, we have this great music video. If I hear the song and the song makes me like, wow, this is a great song. I definitely, definitely do something about it and, and come up with a great idea. But if I don't feel the song or I don't feel the product or I don't feel the, uh, I don't feel the, 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 the actual, you know, the, I don't feel my, my, uh, creative juices starting, starting to bubble. I just saying, no, thank you. Unless they want to pay really good money, but that did <laughs> never happen. So, yeah. Well, I think it's, it sounds like you're very balanced and you're, you know, you're keeping your, uh, trying to be, yeah. You're keeping your aspirations in, in alive, but also in check and, and not, uh, over like going on hyperdrive and, and losing yourself in the process. So, I mean, that's, that's very important, I think, especially, you know, for someone living in LA, uh, surrounded by so much, uh, you know, so much of the buzz of, of, of the creation and being on set all the time, which I think is, uh, you know, is also something I feel that, that I learn every day from. And it's like almost, you know, you can, you know, there's nothing like doing it, like being and directing. Um, uh, but there's also, uh, but being on set and seeing other people direct is, is very important as well. And, you know, something yeah, for sure. you learn. And from. I think, I think it helped me being on set and see a director just like, get this, get my foot off the gas in terms of directing because to actually see the work, you know, you have this big, uh, a big vision of what a director looks like. You, you think about Steven Spielberg, about, uh, about Quentin Tarantino, about, about all those great, 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 great directors. And you think, no, they control their set. They're like, like wizards, you know, on set. And then you see directors, you see actual director having to deal with their production, having to deal with their clients on set, having to deal with everyone, having a monitor and having an opinion. And, and if you're not really into what you're doing, you can get crippled by that. And that's why I, I like actually being on set helped me. I, I enjoy being this professional guy who has, who have the answers, who, who really knows what he's doing, you know? I'm really on top of my shit on set. I, I, I make sure I know what's going on and I can figure it out and I can be the best tool for my director in order to use me. And I enjoy that. I enjoy that place because I'm really good at it. And I want to be the same uh, direct. And you have to remember, I did 30 uh, short films. I make music videos. I know how it feels. I know how it feels when it works and when it clicks and when you capture magic. And I know how it feels when it sucks and you don't know what you're doing there. And, and everything, like you start to doubt yourself and, and, and your professions and your abilities. And I don't want to be at that place. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm good. I, I I'm hear really you. good. I hear you. I feel like I've been recently in that place and I definitely know <laughs> what it feels like. And it's not a, it's not a good feeling to be, to, to, to feel like you're at the mercy of, of higher powers and on set. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm thinking directing is, is when you, when someone says, uh, I want to direct, it's like an ego thing. The, the thing to say is I want to create, I want to create my own stuff. That's meaning what, when someone says I want to direct, it means I want to create because they're directing a commercial for, uh, for a bike, I don't know, bike chain is not directing, you know, it's just being that, that guy that does that thing. It's like the cameraman. Yeah. No one's creating. So, but if you're very, 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 
very an idea person. If you have ideas, cool ideas about everything, you know, these are guys like Daniel Koren, let's say. I love Daniel Koren. Yeah. I love Vanya, Vanya Hyman. Those people have great ideas on everything they do. Now, I know it seemed that way. Also, have they have stuff they worked on they don't want you to see. But they're more, um, more let's say, uh, their, um, their envelope covers more, more topics than mine. I'm very passionate about, like, I'm super passionate about some stuff, but really not passionate about almost everything. So when I get something I'm passionate about, I, I know I can do a better job than 95% of all people on earth who, who actually claim they can do that job. But all the other times, I know I can do a worse job than 95 other directors, you know? What are the things you're, so, not, you're not passionate about? I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about, you know, about storytelling, obviously, but in my genres, and I'm not passionate about selling stuff to people. I'm never, I, I never been that good at it. I'm not passionate about, um, uh, about a product that uh, a client think is good, but I don't think is good, you know, uh, say, yeah, it's going to change people's lives. And even if it's in my genre, let's say I, I have, uh, I had uh, someone called me about, um, which, which on paper would have like, you know, it's, I should have jumped on it. It's like this, you know, you remember the laser quest when you have those yeah, lasers, when you're, uh, so he, he invented someone with, with the, that you can play with your iPhone. It's like a, a plastic gun. You put your iPhone on it and you can run around and shoot everyone. And I tried it and it sucked. You know, it didn't, <laughs> it's, it's not good. It's oh, just no. not a good project. And I'm thinking about showing it. Now, how would you show something like that? You have to cheat everything. Yeah. You have to cheat every yeah. motherfucking thing. You have to cheat. You have to show that it's fun when it's not. You have to show that it works when it's not really working. It's an opportunity to to show something amazing, but the problem is it's yeah, a lie. The product is not amazing. Yeah, you're showing a lie. So if you want to, and he didn't want to show the lie, he wanted to show the, the actual thing. So I said to him, listen, if I need to make a commercial of what this actually is, this will be a very boring commercial. You told him that? Because... Yeah, I told him, yeah, told him that when we, we never worked together. <laughs> we never yeah, worked together. I, I, I yeah. wonder why. Yeah, because because his product sucked. <laughs> his product really sucked. He sent it to me, I tried it, and it's it's it wasn't good. Well, let's not, so let's something... not plug it then. In the... No, no, let's not plug it. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so you have to be passionate about it. And you know, that's just me. Five other directors would have taken it and probably make made very good uh, commercials out of it. But I'm, I'm, I know, like from from history, from my history, every time I did something good, it was something I knew about. I uh, did my research, and I, I was ve- well educated about that matter. It also sounds you know, like something you believed in. It's something you yeah, felt like yeah. uh, that there's integrity yes. in your work. Real directing, storytelling, and art. Yeah, that's that's where it shines. And if you're not really telling the story, if you're not understanding your story. Uh, you're not really, you know, really connected to it. People can feel it later because it became, it becomes weird, and there's really awkward moments when you're not knowing where your story is going. And and that's my experience with directing. And my 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 luck is that I have my visual effects uh, skill to fall back on, 95% of the times. I can do visual effects all day, baby. Make that <laughs> money be good with myself. And when I need to direct something, you know, it's not an ego thing for me anymore. I'm not like, I'm not, I, I don't have to go around and say I'm a director. It's, it's fine. I'm good. I'm a visual effects guy. I'm fine with that. I, f- I've, uh, I feel like, uh, uh, your, your clients, I mean, until you, until, or in, in the meanwhile, while 
sorry, I, I feel like while you uh, are, I'm trying to think of how to say it. I was going to say just that, you know, as a visual effects supervisor, uh, from the way you, you talk about directing too, it sounds like any person who's hiring you is getting uh, a lot more than what they they realize, you know, not just uh, your technical skills, but also someone who's who knows to separate, you know, what's important from what what's not and, and knows the importance of, of uh, uh, integrity in their work and in uh, the mission, sense of mission and uh, accomplishment. I feel like that probably also somehow informs and trickles into your visual effects work. Yeah, and I also enjoy being a professional and actually helping the production, you know, actually being that guy you can count on and, and get these great results from. And if I felt this is my directing skills, if, you know, you can get great performance from me and get great work, I would have directed all day long. But some, but usually I don't feel that. I know that I'm uh, much less experienced uh, of directing stuff that I don't, I'm not passionate about. My throughout my whole career and my uh, uh, my uh, creations, I was the guy that is you know pushing pushing the stuff because he's passionate about it. I was I were going to sleep and waking up with that in my head, and I have to feel that to direct. So. I don't have to feel that when I'm when I'm creating visual effects, and and that's what makes me super professional and being able to help my client and my director and my project. So I enjoy I very enjoy being that guy that saves saves the day. I like being that. I always say under under a promise overachieve. You know, like do the best, give your hundred and twenty percent every time. The client will always come back. It's not about the money. It's, it's about service and about great job. And we can always figure out the pay. That's fine. But if someone believes in you, believes in your work, believes in your work, believes you can give him that, you know, that extra to, to give it that really, really good look or, or make it really seamless or so they'll come back. So I'm, I'm super proud and super lucky of being in the position I am today. Yeah, I think it's a great advice for any person in the visual effects field uh, and definitely for people who are also considering or are in the place in their career where they're like thinking, oh, you know, it would be so much easier if I was a director here. Maybe I should just stop being a visual effects artist or visual effects supervisor and start being a director. And I think you're you're hitting it right on the spot when you say that, you know, being a director is not easy and especially not when you're you know, working under certain constraints and you're not really allowed to, to put your own vision into it, or you're forced to direct something you don't believe in. Like it's a lot easier to make some visual effects on, on a project that, uh, hasn't really panned out the way the director wanted, uh, than to be that director that has to deal with, with the fact that it, this is the case and, and still has to find the energy within themselves to come to the office and, and try to somehow, you know, hammer the thing together to make it somehow good. Um, so yeah, it's definitely an interesting angle to, to think about. Um, man, it was a pleasure. I, we've talked for about an hour and 10 minutes now. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more than what, uh, what we... In English, in English, just uh, <laughs> a side note. This is not our first language. So I'm really happy we managed to do that. Well, I mean, you've been in, in LA for a while. And like you said, you're, uh, you always service your clients. And I'm pretty sure most of your clients don't speak uh, Hebrew <laughs> <laughs> here in LA. So, so I'm not surprised uh, that you're uh, kicking ass in uh, English as well. as. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. 
but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll definitely, uh, obviously keep in touch as we, as we do quite often. And, uh, you know, our next conversation is probably going to be about, uh, some short films. I feel like. Awesome. Sure. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. You're my first, uh, interview on this podcast, yeah. as you know. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Not a virgin anymore. Not a pod- podcast virgin anymore. Now, uh, now the next step is to listen to to <laughs> get the Pop cherry. Get, yeah, get the nerves and actually listen to how I how I sound and and learn from all the mistakes. <laughs> I got the yeah. Do the work. Nothing else. Just do the work. This was episode five of the Post Post podcast. Just realized that the intro didn't include the usual reminder that if you want to keep following the podcast and getting updates, uh, remember to follow it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever, and uh, subscribe to the um, to all the places you want to subscribe to. You know, subscribe to all that soundcloud and uh, the itunes uh stream and uh stitcher and i hope you enjoy those episodes and um next week i'm gonna be back with episode six bye bye